0: hello and welcome to episode number 176 of the dbsa podcast i'm sarah wendell from smart bitches trashy books and with me today is Alyssa cole we are going to talk about her series of articles which have been appearing in the romance writers report the publication of the romance writers of america each of these articles feature different romance authors from countries around the world and i think they have been super cool so i wanted to learn more about them we also talk about her upcoming books and her efforts to help readers diversify their reading lists. And she has a movie recommendation that I think everyone will want to take advantage of. This podcast is brought to you by Renee Adie, author of The Wrath and the Dawn, published by G.P. Putnam's Sons Books for Young Readers, available in print and ebook. Each dawn brings death, but can love change the story? This intoxicating retelling of A Thousand and One Nights will leave you begging for book two, The Rose and the Dagger, coming summer 2016. The podcast transcript this month is sponsored by Kensington Publishers of Into the Fury by New York Times best-selling author Kat Martin. The first in a new series... Kat Martin is back with her signature spine tingling suspense, an unforgettable action as she introduces readers to the elite team of private investigators at Boss Inc., who are both hard-hitting and hot stuff. On sale, January 29th, 2016. Our music is provided by Sassy Outwater, and I will have information at the end of the podcast as to who this is and where you can find it. And before we get started, two housekeeping notes. One, this podcast and all future podcasts are the production of Smart Bitches, Trashy Books, LLC and if you in any location around the world would like to sponsor the podcast or the podcast transcript please email me sarah at smartbitches trashybooks.com and now on with the podcast all right so let's have you um introduce yourself to the lovely people who are listening many of whom i've learned are on the treadmill or on the bike in the gym so they're all working out and which makes me feel really slack when I'm recording <laughs> so introduce yourself and tell the lovely people listening who you are and what you do um
1: I'm also recording from a treadmill uh no I'm not I'm sitting here eating oh cookies. is the treadmill uh, in the room with but, you <laughs> um I do have a treadmill but it's currently not in use but I'm Alyssa Cole I write romance a variety of different romances um historical post-apocalyptic, sci-fi, I guess, Uh, romantic suspense, and contemporary. Just, uh, I guess, under pretty much anything under the romance umbrella.
0: Fabulous. Now, you've been writing a column for the Romance Writers Report, which is the RWA publication, about romance writers in different parts of the world. And I have been Uh, enjoying this column so much. Was this your idea? Thank you. Yes,
1: um, it randomly came to me. I don't know why. Well, I think, I mean, even anyone who reads my stuff, uh, my books, or just in general, I'm really interested in the way cultures and different kinds of people interact with each other. And I think just one day I was thinking... Like, I don't really, I know there have to be other kinds of romance writers or, (laughs) uh, and I think a bit of it was like, you know, there's a lot of talk about diversity and like normalizing um, the representation in romance right now. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking like, you know, most of the people I know are either American or um, Canadian or British. There's a couple
0: of Aussies, a couple of Kiwis. Yeah, yeah. some Australian
1: uh, Kiwis and... I was like, I know there have to be other people (laughs) in the world who are into romance, who enjoy writing romance. Um, I know people have romance fans all over the world. So I was just, it was like a random thought while I was going to sleep. And you know those thoughts that you get and then they start building. And I was like, well, maybe I'll see if anyone else is interested in this because... Sometimes people are not interested in the things that I'm interested in. And um, I pitched it to the Romance Writers Report, and they were like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. So I started uh, looking around for um, different publishers around the world, which I can talk about that a little more. It's not always easy. Oh, Um, I'd love to hear about
0: that. (laughs) Because I've noticed that it can be very challenging to find... I've been looking for romances that are published in other countries that aren't translations of American romances. Like, who are the local writers in different countries who were writing romances? And that's really hard to find. How did you start your research?
1: The first article I did was about Ankara Press, which is a Nigerian um, romance publisher. Mm -hmm. And I saw an article about them, and I was like, okay, cool. That was pretty easy for me because... It had their name. I could. Um, they were. Re- <laughs> they were relatively easy to find. Um, they're pretty. They have a web presence and you know, a website and a Whoa. publicity department. And so I have reached out, and they were pretty, they were great about getting back to me, about answering questions, um, because also for them, they're also looking for pu- publicity, these romance publishers and writers around the world, because most of the market is in the U.S. and um, in the Western countries, so it they are usually, once they realize that you aren't like a scam artist or someone trying to get something from them. It's pretty it's pretty easy to get an interview with them or have them answer some questions.
0: I hear birds on your end and I have a dog barking on my end. Tell me you have pet birds or is that just like the, the general sound of an island is birds.
1: This is just the general sound. Uh I'm oh, I actually horrible. Am pretty used to it. That's
0: <laughs> oh just terrible. Oh, but yeah, they're they're
1: just like you know birds hanging outside in the trees yelling. And,
0: yeah. All right. So and then um, at- <laughs> tropical birds podcast guest. I am a hundred percent on board with this. <laughs> and
1: these are the quiet birds. There are also kind of these like parrot type birds that fly by every night and scream as they fly by.
0: That must be great. Okay. So, what are some of the countries? Because I know not everyone who listens is an RWA member and gets this publication. And I seriously, I have enjoyed these articles so much. I think they are excellent. So, thank you for the entire idea. It is totally made every month better when I get that issue. What are, oh, please keep going. What are some of the um, countries and writers that you've discovered, and how have you been doing the interviews? Is there a lot of Google Translate? There hasn't been so
1: far. Um, So first, with Ankara Press, it was um, speaking with Nigerian authors and authors from that general region. Um, And pretty much people speak English there as well as whatever local language they have. So um, that was fairly simple. Then I did a South Asian romance and I actually regret this one because when I first started I didn't realize how that it would become an ongoing column and so I condensed instead of doing Indian romance Pakistani romance I made a South Asian column Oops. and again people there speak English but that's if I could change one thing I would go back and focus on the individual countries and you know even individual regions in the country hope maybe I can do that as time goes on, but um, yeah, so authors there uh, speak English. Right. Um, Then the next one I did was Argentina. (laughs) That was where the Google Translate problem first cropped up Mm -hmm. because, uh, I mean, and I know Google Translate sucks because, you know, my husband speaks French, I'm learning French. When we were first dating, sometimes there would be, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) And then I would Google Translate it, and it also, I wouldn't know what he was talking about. But for some, <laughs> for some reason, I thought it would be easier with Spanish, but it was not. Um, I'm sure the, the questions I sent them, <laughs> I'm amazed that they understood what I, was, what I was talking about, and they answered the questions so well. <laughs> and then I translated them with Google Translate, and I was like, I have... This doesn't make sense, and I know that these women know what they're talking about. So this is the Google Translate, um, and then I was saved by Mr. Cole, who also speaks Spanish. And I was like, "Hey, what does this help- mean?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- this doesn't mean what that does it because there were just some things that were like just weird, totally weird or inappropriate. And I was like, I don't think that's what they're saying, and that was not what they were saying. <laughs> so that's um, one thing I learned is, uh, for and like I speak, I understand a bit of Spanish, and even with that, I was like, I'm, I think you're wrong. Google Translate. Yeah. But um, so that was my first encounter, really, with like, um, realizing that I'm gonna have to put a little more, uh, like. I can't wing it with Google Translate. I have to find someone who speaks the language fluently to help me translate it because it's not fair to the authors if I ask them for an interview and then like, put down some crazy response, which they might, they might not see and be able to correct if they don't speak English. So um, that's one thing that in 2016, I'll be working on more too, like reaching out to people and countries that are not primarily English speaking or don't mm-hmm. have a large English speaking population and also getting like accurate tra- translations of uh, the work and also the, the last place that the last column was um, what's Filipino romance writers and they also all spoke English as well yes
0: so. so what have you learned from the different writers
1: the thing that's interesting to me is like the similarities as well as the differences but the similar like I think that romance writers everywhere are (laughs) similar in many ways. And one thing that's interesting to me is that basically we all have the same origin type. Like, we all basically read the same kind of books. Everyone was reading Judith McNaught, Nora Roberts, and, like, all of the big names in romance. Like, they read those all over the world. Those Mills and Boone, Harlequin influenced people all over the world, and, like, it's interesting now because I feel like now... Uh, the results of people growing up and reading those books and with the current um, technology we have those things are coming together and allowing people who maybe wanted to write romance before but didn't have uh, the, they, there was no resource or no outlet for them to do that now that technology is spreading because of the internet romance writers all over the world are able to write the kind of romance they love with their own But um, adding their own, you know, cultural elements or just their own personal, even beyond culture, their own spin on it. And I think that's a really great thing. I think that's something that's even happening in the U.S. right now with Mm -hmm. the um, diverse, trying to diversify and, um, you know, make publishing, romance publishing reflect the reality of the world more. And the women who read
0: it and the women who write it.
1: Yeah. And like, so I just found that like so fascinating, just like thinking that all over the world, (laughs) there are all these, you know, young women and men too growing up and reading these books and the fact that romance has had all over the world, basically.
0: I remember when Um, I learned that I was shocked because I would receive email regularly from people who would start their email by apologizing for their English and then explain to me that they learned English solely so that they could read romance because where they live, romance is not translated into their language. And because that's what they wanted to read, they learned English. And I, I, I had that message sent to me more than five times from five different countries. And I was sort of like, are you serious? (laughs) Like if the only thing that I wanted to read was in a different language, and I had to learn to read the language in order to get my hands on it, that's a staggering amount of dedication right there.
1: Yeah, the romance fans, when they say romance fans are the most dedicated. They're not lying. (laughs) Yeah. That is legit Uh, true. (laughs) The other thing that I noticed that's interesting Again, all around the world, it's generally um, written by women and read by women. Although, um, and, you know, here too, there in the U.S. and England and um, Canada too, there are guys who read romance. But um, in other places, like uh, with the Ankara press, the Nigerian press, um, mm-hmm. they. one thing that was really interesting to me is that there's really no stigma for men reading romance novels in that region. I don't know if that's true of other places um, in Africa, but they said, like, you know, you can be at the airport and see a dude reading a Mills and Boone and it's not like, oh, check that out. Like, it's not considered a weird thing just because reading is reading no matter what you're reading. So I found wow. that really interesting.
0: That is interesting because I, I remember very clearly seeing a, a gentleman in the Taco Bell one time when I went with my husband <laughs> and he was reading Nora Roberts, not J.D. Robb, but like Nora <laughs> Roberts. And I and I was like, OK, it is against the reader's code for me to interrupt this gentleman's meal while he is reading. But I really wanted to be like, you are the best, dude. You <laughs> rock. Because he was just totally chilling in Taco Bell with a big old Nora Roberts novel. And I was like, yes because it's not a, something I would see very often and I wish I saw more of. How cool that it there's no male female stigma attached to it in Nigeria.
1: Yeah, and I think that's, you know, it's just a societal thing. Um I mean, in most places I've where I've spoken to authors, there there is the general romance, you know, romance versus real fiction. Um, type argument that the same that we have here and people seeing romances as less than or not serious writing but um, everyone I spoke to everywhere else said that that was changing and that the books were gaining more respect um, predictably as they became bigger money makers for publishers and authors.
0: No, the devil <laughs> you, <know>. you say!
1: <laughs> Who would imagine but yes. Um, so I think that's something that is being reflected You know, around the world. But um, I think there is still the kind of, in many places, there is still the kind of stigma of feminine literature. And not, um, I think hopefully that's slowly fading away, well, quickly, but, you Mm -hmm. know, slowly too. Either any kind of fading away will be good because it's just, you know, there, I'm sure there are dudes who would love romance if they gave it a try. And, (laughs) but there's just this whole societal, you know, misogynistic idea that that's, something men can't do uh, which is ridiculous so it was re- yeah it was really refreshing to see that uh you know in, in at least one place in the world <laughs> there is no kind of gendered reading preference for romance
0: how is success measured in other countries i'm always curious about this if you're an author and you're publishing in a genre that's slowly gaining respect in your in your country are there bestseller lists there? Are there measurements or how are they determining success? Is that something that you talked about in your interview? I actually, that's
1: an, a really good question. Um, I haven't asked about bestseller lists. I generally have asked about their own, like if I'm speaking to authors or to the publisher, like why they write what they write, mm-hmm. um, how they interact with other authors and with readers. But I haven't asked generally about success. Um Just because, yeah, it it is something that I think is in different places can be interpreted differently. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, when I was speaking, when I interviewed the Filipino authors, they were, you know, they all seem like they have all, they're very organized and have all of their stuff together, but there are certain things that hinder them. Like many people in the Philippines don't have Mm e-readers. So like, they couldn't really measure their success there as well as they, as someone in a Western country who is mostly published in the United States and has most of their readers in the United States. Yes. So there are things like that. Um, and also um, the people who are self-published as opposed to people who are with local publishers and like the local publishing scene as opposed to, like compared to the big five here for example. So that's something, and that's also something else that I want to explore more this year, like speaking to publishers and editors, um, more, fo- more focus on publishers and editors as well, in addition to uh, romance authors, because mm-hmm. I think it would be great to know how those things are measured in other countries.
0: Definitely. How many more articles are in your series? As of right now, it's ongoing. Yay! Um, <laughs> I'm and happy. Right, <laughs>
1: um, as but yeah, as I said earlier, it can be hard finding people. Mm-hmm. One because of the language barrier. Um, that's getting a bit easier because I'm learning French, so I can try to interact with people. For example, French speaking Francophone Africa, and places like that. But um, go you. Other places can be harder, and also um, places that don't. rely that much on the internet for reading Mm -hmm. um that can be harder because like they won't have like a a a website with all of the information you need so a lot of it is like being a detective sometimes you like look you know google search romance in a general region and like uh, the other thing that's funny is um when I search for example Middle Eastern romance, all of the shake novels come up. And and I'm like, that's cool, (laughs) but that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for romance (laughs) written by... So, like, you know, you have to change your search parameters. And then also, in some places, um, there are books that are just, you know, published very locally and just given directly to the small bookstores. And, like, that's something something that I likely won't be able to contact those people because, <laughs> I you know, they're not on the Internet, really. It's just a very small, local thing. Um, but, yeah, so it's basically, like, looking for articles, looking for a trail to a certain country or region and then trying to find, dig up more and see, you know, sometimes you find something and then you look into it and you see, okay, this person's or these people stopped publishing Mm -hmm. Um, or this publisher went under, like, you know, just how things change. Publishing is always changing here and it's definitely always changing in other countries too as either things don't work out or people move on to a new venture. So then, you know. So it's... that part is frustrating sometimes, but it's also cool because it's just seeing how things change in other countries as mm-hmm. well.
0: Definitely. And you know, what, what's written down on the internet can very quickly become out of date in a matter of oh, like yeah. a month. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so what countries are you working on now? Can you tell us? Um, yeah. Well, right now I ha- I'm I working on um,
1: East African romance. i am looking, I'm trying I'm trying to get in contact with um, some romance authors in Kenya, um, also some romance author, a publisher in Mali I'm trying to get in contact with, and I'm also thinking of like look, I'm also looking for Caribbean romance authors, um, just in general either here in Martinique or uh, you know, on the surrounding islands. But like I said, it's like, you search, and you search, and you see someone, and it's like, are they really from the place where they, it says they're from, and you know, things like that, that can change, <laughs> can be like, you know, can make things a bit difficult while you're searching, but, and I also want to try to reach out to um, countries like, you know, China, Russia, but like, and that's another thing, some, in some places, romance, you have to learn what the local terms for romance is because in some countries like for example when you search Russian romance the things that come up are like Dostoevsky and stuff like that <laughs> so, <laughs> which you know again that's cool but not what I'm looking for so <laughs> um, so it's it's interesting and now that I know that this series of um, articles will be ongoing it will just be refining the process of searching and trying to expand and see you know who I can find and who's willing to talk and again i think sometimes you know, people might receive my emails and think i am some kind of like you know scam artist because people who work for publishers get all kinds of crazy emails so, oh yeah <laughs> and i'm just like oh hello i am a romance writer from the us and blah 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 they don't know if i'm telling <laughs> the truth or if i want something from them so you know it could be it can be a little hard but it's definitely worth it. it this is my favorite project that i'm working on right now because it's just cool seeing you know how people work in other countries and like i said i love learning about the similarities the differences and the things that generally make us all the same in the end
0: mm-hmm. so especially because the romance genre no matter what sort of flavor you're writing still has the same core emotions. And yeah. those translate very easily. Th- those, are, those are easily understood concepts, regardless of the language that the book is written in.
1: Yeah. And it's cool because um, like even one question I like to ask is like, what romance is popular mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in your region? And I feel like that can kind of reflect what's going on in a general area like for the south asian romances um a lot of the most of the authors said that college romances were really popular and Mm -hmm. you know i guess that would translate to new adult here but like kind of if there's a boom of people that age and like that's a big thing people going off and um you know women going off to college and the new experiences that they have, um, I think that's pretty cool. And like in Argentina, historicals are really popular because people love like like, looking back in time at... Historicals are popular here in the U.S. too, but in general like British historicals. (laughs) So in Argentina, people are really into the history of their country and they love reading historical romances about that. So I think it's interesting, too, seeing like what readers there are into and um, how that reflects in the romance that's getting written.
0: That is very cool. Um, have you been able to find any of the books that the authors you've interviewed have, have read? Because I know that there is a, an enormous barrier to entering the American book market because that less than 5% of the total book market is books that are brought in in translation that it's very rare for books to be translated and brought into America. Most of the time we export everything. So have you been able to locate some of the books that you've read about, or are they still mostly available in those countries and in the surrounding countries?
1: Um, actually, most of the people that I've spoken to have books available on Amazon. Like, um, Fabulous. Or even, yeah, even like Ankara Press, the Nigerian Press, um, they even have like a free, they did a free Valentine's Day book. And if you go to their website, they have the link to that, the link to the authors. Um, the South Asian authors that I interviewed, um, All of, some of them are published through Harlequin India, so and Mills and Boon India and so their books are available you know on Amazon and um, through that website. Um, the Filipino authors also they have all of their books are available on Amazon um, and Marion T is pretty popular in the US I'm yes. pretty sure. <laughs> uh, and um, the Argentinian authors they're also available on Amazon for the most part, I think. Um, but again, there's the language barrier for people who don't speak Spanish. Um, the other books are generally in English, and that's another thing that's interesting. Um, many of the people that I've entered, the publishers and the people I've interviewed, write in English just because that's the international language of romance. You know, French is the language of love, but English is the language of romance, apparently. <laughs> so, um, That's and that's like you said before. People who learn English just to read romance. um, That's just um, in general. Mm -hmm. People write in English so it's marketable to the largest population of romance readers, which uh, which is is who are English speaking, right? Of course. Uh, The other interesting thing is that people, um, in addition to writing in English, though people do uh, publish translations into their languages or um, even local dialects. So that's something that's pretty cool as well. Making it, They also make the books available for people who don't speak English.
0: That's very cool. So I want to switch topics to a much more difficult and very challenging question. Um, okay. I want to ask you about your books. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hopefully I can answer that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes it's like, oh gosh, talking about my own books is so hard, which I completely understand. What are you working on right now? Um, Right now I'm
1: in the middle of edits for my next series, which is a Civil War espionage series um, with Kensington. And I don't think I've really told anyone about that yet. So breaking news. Yay! (laughs) Yay! Um, it's a Civil War espionage series, um, focusing on people of color and their contribution to the Civil War effort, um, and the and also somewhat based on, many of the characters are based on real people, real historical figures. This is Uh, cool! So yeah, I'm in edits for the first book, and I'm really excited, uh, like my... I love writing all types of things. I really love writing historicals too, just because, you know, gets my I'm able to do my little sneaky teaching as well, <laughs> as, well as writing uh, romance and you know getting the love and sexy times and stuff in there too. So yeah, I'm working on that right now, and I'm also um, I don't know when that will be up, but I'll hopefully have more information about that soon. Um, and I'm working on book two of that now, too, of that series. And I'm also working on finishing up a contemporary fairy tale. Not exactly a fairy tale. Uh, it's a romantic comedy. There's an African prince. And uh, the heroine is, you know, and in, in getting her master's in public health. Uh, and it's a romantic comedy, even though, like, Romantic comedy is hard for me because I'm always tempted to put something really depressing in the story. Like I had to convince myself not to put an Ebola outbreak in the story. Like, no, that's not romantic comedy. So um, I'm working on that now. And yeah, and more romancing the globe stuff. But.
0: Yay! So what is your most recent book that has been published? In your, uh, what, what is the most recent book that has come out from your excellent backlist?
1: Um, my most recent book would be Mixed Signals. Um, that's book three in my off-the-grid trilogy, which is a post-apocalyptic romance series. Um, and it's it came out in October. Um, it follows, uh, the series follows a family slash group of friends who survive a post-apocalyptic, an apocalyptic event and mm-hmm. are living in a post-apocalyptic world. And... Um, it's uh the the third book following the youngest sister and the in the family. And um it's basically post-apocalyptic new adult because it's you know, the world is trying to get back on its feet and she's entering this um <clears throat> pardon me. She's entering this uh basically post-apocalyptic college. <laughs> and so uh but it came out in October and it's. It was nominated for an R.T. award. People seemed to really like it, which made me happy because I was like, this is the book that's going to make everyone hate me. And then, <laughs> and then people were like, oh, no, we actually like this book. So, Yay. so you know, Why did you so. think
0: people would hate
1: you? Uh, I don't know. You know, authors put a lot of pressure on themselves. And, like, no. I was just, you know, terrified. I was like, maybe I did, you know, maybe it's crappy. You know, you, you convince yourself of all of the things that are wrong with your book. So, I was very happy uh, when that wasn't the case.
0: Fabulous. (laughs) Nice job. (laughs) Isn't it nice when you're wrong? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, for things like that, definitely. Uh, Yeah, so that was the last book. The whole series, well, it was a trilogy. Um, All three books came out last year. And um, they're post-apocalyptic, but they're not zombie. It's not zombie stories. I love zombie stories, but... um, I guess it's kind of like gentle post-apocalyptic in a way. Uh, I don't know if that's a genre, but it's, you know, I feel like a bit more realistic or not like there aren't zombies chasing people down. It's more about the human issues that come up.
0: Right. Because survival when things are going incredibly wrong is pretty compelling. Yeah. And also like how love and friendship
1: and hot dudes uh, and hot chicks can get you through that
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's very difficult (laughs) and your that that book big signals was named one of the best romances for november by uh, sarah mclean in her washington post column yeah yes yes,
1: yeah that's awesome congratulations
0: thank you yeah that was really awesome
1: um really shocking I (laughs) I was traveling so i was in a hotel and just like rolling around on the bed in the hotel room That was really great. That is
0: very cool. So here's the hardest question that I ask. What are you reading or have read recently that you recommend? Do you read a lot of science fiction? Um,
1: Right now, I don't. um, I mean, growing up, I read, you know, Asimov and all different kinds of science fiction that I would take out from the library. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now, and I'm totally blanking, even though I just wrote a review a bunch of reviews on my blog but um the books that I've read um recently oh I read Once Upon Midnight Clear that's by Emma Barry and uh Genevieve Turner and it's a free you know freebie novella that's really 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 good
0: (laughs) Um, hello I'm listening
1: it's part of their historical they have like um a historical series set during the 1960s, um, the space race. Mm-hmm. And this is a prequel set at the end of the 1940s. And it's just like really well written. And I told them I was like, I was getting really angry <laughs> while I was reading it. Cause I was just like, why is this so good? Like I'm getting mad. Uh, I, don't know if anyone, <laughs> I don't know if anyone else has that feeling of like when you're reading a book and you're just like, how dare you be this entertaining and good? Um, <laughs> I, you know, have temper problems. So maybe that's just me. Um, what else? I've read some Jeannie Lynn that I really enjoyed, um, from her, her steampunk series, uh, what else have you read? Courtney Milan's Once Upon a Marquess, of course. Right. Uh, amazing. Tessa Dare's latest. Amazing. And also, like, I'm. T- it's also hard because I'm trying to remember stuff that I've read. Like, what is actually released?
0: <laughs> I have this what problem. I-, I very <laughs> Where much have this problem.
1: Um, Suleika Snyder's uh, Un- Unlock Me uh, serial written under the pseudonym Mariah K. Quinn, which is, like, and the stepbrother BDSM type uh, romance, which is awesome. Um, you know, not something I thought I would say, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's really well written and awesome. Um, also, lately, I've been loving Melissa Blue. Um, she has her uh, Scotland series. The books are Under His Kilt uh, and also Tasha L. Harrison, her series In Her Closet is the first book, I believe, in the series. In
0: his closet? In her closet. Oh, in her closet. There's there's two yes. different closets. My bad. Okay, got <laughs> get the right yes. closet.
1: <laughs> For Rebecca Weatherspoon, um, her latest So Sweet, which is um, a novella about a young woman who gets a sugar daddy, but is totally funny, sweet, and super romantic, and like just made me laugh out loud the entire time I was reading it. Um, I always recommend that because, like, you know, there's so much crappy stuff going on in the world, like when you just need to read something and really laugh and feel happy and light when you're done. I recommend Rebecca Weatherspoon.
0: I was not expecting to like So Sweet as much as I did because I sort of approached it like, okay, sugar daddy relationship, not so sure about that. (laughs) Not like I have a a problem with anyone who would do that. Like, you do you. That's fine. I just wasn't sure if it was going to work for me as a reader and my You know expectations of romance and gosh did that work for me so well you're exactly right it's it's very light and friendly and funny yeah
1: Yeah. and it's just like and i feel like i love uh in her writing there's like the unexpected humor where you're like It's not that you expect it to be funny, but a lion just hits you at just the right angle. Like, you're like, what? Where did that come from? And you just, like, burst out laughing. Um, So, so, yeah, I recommend that. And the other stuff I've been reading is, like, horrible Civil War research. So, (laughs) which, you know, I recommend, but also not the greatest, light reading material.
0: No, it's not super uplifting and... um, Mm -hmm. No. Feel good. <laughs> it's, it's kind no. of feel crappy, that research. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the, the espionage series? Can you, can you share a little bit more details, or is it too soon?
1: Oh, no, I'll share some details now. Um, the first book follows a woman. Um, she's a free black woman living in the north, mm-hmm. uh, but she, she joins a secret society, um, and goes undercover. She poses as a slave in um, Civil War Richmond to funnel information uh, to, you know, to the society, secret society and to, to the Capitol. Um, and so she's the heroine. And the hero is um, a Scottish-American. Uh, um, he's a spy working for Pinkerton's, for Alan Pinkerton. Um who I don't know if, if readers don't know about Alan Pinkerton, he basically originated the Secret Service and also there's the Pinkerton's detective agency, which it's still around today. Yep. Um so basically he's posing as a Confederate soldier. So everybody's <laughs> lying. Yeah, everybody's Perfect. lying. And you know, of course that can cause trouble and all kinds of things, including love. So it's basically about them kind of being forced to work together. Um, he's met in with her and she's like, you know, are you insane <laughs> get, get out of the, you see the situation that we're in um, and the country that we're in. Um, but, you know, it's about people. I, it was really fun to write because you get to write cool, fun spy stuff but and also, um, you know, the, the growing love and between two people who, in a time when generally they were told you know you should not be together i mean we're fu- like it's during a period where they're fighting a war
0: right it's not <laughs> so, really convenient yeah <laughs> so um
1: so yeah it's really it was really fun to write and you know it's set during the civil war but it so there's some heavy stuff but overall i tr- you know i tried to keep it fun exciting you know a lot of banter between the hero and heroine so Um, yeah I'm really excited about it
0: cool that's excellent do you do you have a title for it yet the title is still in flux right now (laughs) titles (laughs) change this I know uh,
1: but I I will hopefully know soon
0: (laughs) and when is this scheduled to come out that is also (laughs) that is also in flux but you know sometime this year it is 2016, right? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay, yep. good. Yeah. I um, Not only have I not been able to remember what year it is, but I have been dating things incorrectly on the website, so I published a <laughs> podcast in 2015, like a year ago, and it was supposed to be 2016. <laughs> yeah, good job. This is way more troublesome than writing the wrong date on a check. <laughs> oh, yeah. And people are like, oh, how come no new podcasts are coming out? Yes, yeah, because they, it, they came out today, but actually last year. You know, things happen. <laughs> <laughs> so are you going to be going to RT or RWA this year? Are you doing any um, panels at RT?
1: I am. I'm going to RT for sure, and I'm pretty positive I'm going to RWA. Um, at RT, I'm doing a panel, and this is actually my first RT convention, so I'm a little freaked out <laughs> because I heard that RT is even crazier than RWA, and the last RWA, I was just like a completely drained battery after it was done. Um, yes, but it is
0: I- very draining. Get ready. <laughs>
1: Um, and in Las Vegas, so yeah that's gonna be crazy um, but my I'm doing a couple of panels um, one panel is called Diversify your TBR and it's basically just gonna talk about um, popular books uh, popular multicultural books um, and like basically if you like this kind of book or you like books by this author, mm-hmm. perhaps you should try these authors or and these So, like a discovery Uh, tool, yeah, cool. Because um, just because you know, sometimes people don't just don't know about different authors, and we figure um, Lena Hart uh, is the author who who's moderating and who submitted that panel, but I think it's a great idea because, you know, people always are looking for new books like the books that they enjoy, and I think that's a really great way of getting people to expand their horizons. Right. And then the other panel is a historical panel, um, exploring the exciting new world of inclusive historical romance. And so it's just talking about, you know, the different, um, how historical romance is growing and changing to include... Um, stories that weren't necessarily always told, or if they were told, perhaps weren't the at the forefront of romance. We'll just be talking about how, you know, historical romance is changing for the better.
0: So, so there were, there there weren't just white people in history.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I know it's surprising if you you know watch <laughs> watch TV, read a book, or anything. That's what it seems like. I'm really glad that it's changing. I wish it would change more quickly. I think it's changing quickly for the better. I wish it would change even more quickly. But um, just because I feel and like one of the things that motivates a lot of what I do is I feel like there's just so much information and it's out there and it's available, but it's kind of pushed behind the predominant ideas in media and in pop culture and in society in general. Uh, so I, I really enjoy exploring those ideas and also like exposing other people to them, learning from, I mean, a lot of my stuff that I write is just like, I get interested in something and I'm like, oh, this would make a cool romance or, you know, this is something that people might find interesting because I find it interesting, but.
0: And, and there's uh, always someone, there's yeah. always someone who's interested. Like I have. Many, many recurrences of i i can 't be the only one that thinks this is really cool, right and then you sign on, and everybody's like this huge group of people are like that 's awesome let 's talk about this for hours,
1: yeah, and like especially with historical romance, I just feel like there's so much stuff there to be discovered and that make for great make for great stories in general, but mm-hmm. especially great romances um, I know sometimes like one thing that gets kind of iffy is people are like oh, but, you know, I know bad things happened around that time period or to a certain group of people, and I don't know if I can get past that when I'm reading a romance. But, I mean, I find that idea ridiculous because if you think about any type of historical romance, terrible things were happening all of the time. (laughs) If you read read any Westerns, those people were going to die of dysentery. Like, if you read any Regency historical, you know, that Countess or whoever, after she worked so hard to get her duke and found the love of her life she's going to die during childbirth like not to be a, not to be a downer but like <laughs> that's why that's why that particular argument is strange to me because it just because, and i think it's just because people have been kind of trained in a way by the stories that are generally presented in pop in media and and um, literature and and on TV and movie screens, it's like oh this seems like plausible, but oh no that thing that couldn't happen. But it's like actually that did happen. It's historically accurate and yep. like it's just like you know we've just been kind of trained to think oh well that couldn't happen because I've never really seen that happen before. No one has ever explicitly said here is a movie or here is, a you know, a book about this particular thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think um, that, like, really in- more inclusive romance is important um, for me, especially historical romance, but all types of romance and, um, you know, all types of literature. But I think just exposing people to these ideas that, and I don't want to call them new ideas because <laughs> they're not new. It's just uh, less represented ideas that are, you know, they are historically accurate and make just as much sense as any other story you would read in romance, except the only difference being that they haven't been traditionally represented, so they can seem implausible. Or And I think that the implausibility is just kind of the brain's reaction to, well, how come I never saw this before if this was possible? So, you know, Just showing, (laughs) expanding the the idea of what was possible and what wasn't to meet reality.
0: And also the idea that for a lot of readers, when they go back to a familiar setting, whether it's a particular science fiction world or a historical or even a particular made up small town with a cute name in a contemporary setting the familiarity of the world building is part of what they're drawn to. So the unfamiliar can be can be met with a lot of resistance that is not necessarily justified. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But I think that's, you know,
1: like I said, I think it's changing. Hopefully it keeps changing. And um, just like how I was saying before that for people, for writers all around the world, the internet, social media, and just um access to other people has changed their ability to get the word out about their product or even just to know that there are other people like them <laughs> like in their own country or in their general region who are writing what they write and yep. like reading what they read um i think the same thing will work for more representative romance just because for me it's just a given like it's <laughs> some people see it as like oh why is this being pushed i think that there can be a bit of resistance to the change, to change and, like, going back to what you said, people are comfortable with a certain thing. Um, But I think after, hopefully, after an initial discomfort, people will realize, oh, well, this just matches my reality. And, like, maybe people on a certain level realize that the romance they're reading doesn't always match reality and again we're not always reading romance for reality but right. as far as representation goes there's absolutely no reason for at least the representation of different races and cultures to be unrealistic. because you know like many people have said if you can read about dragons <laughs> vampires I'm here um, for the dragons like <laughs> yeah everyone loves dragons yep. um, so you know there's no reason for it to see like a demographic shift as somehow being bad or something that needs to... Yeah, I don't quite know how to phrase this. It's just a a shift in who gets to tell stories and who you're reading about. The general format um, structure of romance is not changing, so I don't really see it as there shouldn't be a problem with reading about different types of people. And you can't see me, but I have air quotation marks around types because you know, in general, people all have, like just as with the Romancing the Globe column, the thing that it comes down to is that we're all basically have the same desires, the same need for happiness and to connect with other people because that's the other thing too, um, like talking to these other romance authors and seeing, it's like everyone reaches out to find their romance writing buddy it's not just something that we do. Everyone needs that support. Everyone has the same, everyone wants to write a happy ending and read a happy ending who, yep. like the, with these romance authors. So who's doing it or what color they are, or what religion they are, doesn't change the nope. the basic idea of romance. So that's why, I, like to me, I just kind of see it as like, and in a way I'm like, well, do we really need to talk about this? I mean, we do need to talk about it because it's a problem, but the bottom line for me is like, come on <laughs> like get with the program <laughs> like it's not it's not like we're like being like you must eat brussels sprouts if you hate brussels sprouts like i like brussels sprouts but you know and brussels sprouts are cool right now anyway but <laughs> it, you know it's not changing the format it's not saying oh now the books are not going to have happy endings no it's, like, it's not it's,
0: changing the core expectation no not at all i so, i I, question, I think it's just inevitable i think you're right and i and i question how is it that so many people have arrived at a place where they fear the unfamiliar and they reject the unfamiliar? Like, there are, eh. is, is it, doesn't that seem odd? Like, why is it, how, how is it that this many people have arrived at a point where they are so ferociously rejecting of the unfamiliar? Like, it, yeah, I, and I
1: think it's, for me, I see, <laughs> I do see it as a kind of, um, I see it as a kind of, like, form of
0: Institutional hysteria.
1: racism? <laughs> inst- I, inst- institutional racism, but also kind of, like, societal mass delusion. Because, like, for example, um, I don't know if you remember the Sony, the Sony email hacks, um, where yes. someone yes, hacked do. all the emails and the emails were released and like you would see these hollywood producers just saying things that may do not match with reality at all like they would say things like oh there are no asian movie stars which is ridiculous what? and when you think about the sheer number and globally of asian people <laughs> like just China <laughs> alone like saying An enormous there are no number A- of
0: people just went what yeah
1: first of all <laughs> there are no, no asian movie stars okay there are Many people would beg like to differ with that. And also... um Jackie Chan with, like, a word with all of yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. There are just, like, so many. The film industry is huge there. And it's just, like, a form of, like, you're just saying this. And because you're saying it, you're thinking that that makes it right. Like, <laughs> Don't believe everything you think. <laughs> um And the same thing with, like you know, African-American leads in a film and it's like, they are like, oh, well, the movies don't do well internationally. And then you go and look at the international figures for movies like Fast and Furious or Denzel Washington movies, even movies that do really crappy in the U.S. do amazing overseas. So it's just like these weird, it's like we have these ideas, these ideas that, you know, popped up, I don't know when, in 19... 19- 20s 1930s and not and we're just going to stick with these ideas even though there is glaring evidence to the contrary um and you know it's the same thing with female directors like oh we can't have female directors there aren't any female directors or you know we couldn't find anyone for the project and things like that it's just like this these preset ideas. And I think I'm talking about Hollywood, but I think there are similar problems in publishing where there are just these preset ideas of, oh, well, you know, these books don't sell well. And then it's like, is the book not selling well or is it not being marketed well? Like, people, like, you know, oh, I think yes. I don't think you need to make huge differences, but sometimes you do need to consider other audiences. And this is where I think, too, where um, also having more people of color, people of different religions and ethnicities um, behind the scenes in publishing as editors, as mm-hmm. agents. And I think honestly, more predominantly, the marketing and sales department. <laughs> because sometimes people, like, you see certain things and it just seems like people don't, they think this is some huge scary thing or like, oh no, we couldn't sell that, we couldn't sell that, and it's like, and then you see people go and self-publish their books and make millions and millions of dollars. And <laughs> I know those are two different things, but, um, Self publishing and traditional publishing. But I think um, a lot of the problem is that marketing just has a skewed idea of who reads certain books, who doesn't read certain books, and how to market to certain groups. Like, um, I mentioned this at the RWA panel I did over the summer. But, like, you know, if you want African American readers, you don't have to make like a rap album about your product (laughs) to. So, like, it's, you know, it's just, like, these weird, like, okay, I I see, I guess I see what you were trying to do, but, you know, like, why not just market that normally and see what happens? Or maybe try outside channels, but, like, the first thing is, like, black people, uh, rap, yeah, they like rap, like, and then it's just, like, let's make a a rap album about Games of Game of Thrones, like, um, and then, like, and the, like, the sub- layer to that is like the people who did that, for example, didn't realize that there is already a huge number of black people watching Game of Thrones who watch it every week, who tweet about it every week, who, you know, (laughs) so it's just like things like that. Like, where are you looking to get your stats about who buys what, who reads what, who watches what? Mm -hmm. Because if you're not looking in the right place, or if you're going by preconceived notions, then you're in this day and age, you are just going to be wrong. (laughs) So...
0: One yeah, of the things okay. I, I have been thinking a lot about lately, especially because it was, you know, it was just the holidays, and a lot of people have miserable family experiences at the holidays, and I think a lot of that tension comes from the huge distance between the reality of your family and the expectation of what family should be doing and what family should feel on, on on a holiday like Christmas or whatever. So you should all be in your pajamas having a wonderful morning and everyone loves everyone and you're all warm and all the all, none of the nightgowns that you got have scratchy tags and everyone's comfortable <laughs> and everyone gets exactly what they want. And it's this sort of homogenized beautiful comforting reality that does not exist and the distance between your actual family with actual human problems and actual tensions and you know people who you really don't like despite sharing a lot of genetic code (laughs) with them the distance between that and this idealized um, concept is very painful the larger the distance it is and what i find so baffling is that same distance appearing in other places so you have the actual reality of what the romance reading community just looks like we are a very diverse and intelligent group of mostly women, but we're not all white. We're not all straight. We're not all Christian. We are super different from, from each other in a lot of ways, yet we all love these books yet the idea of who is the readership doesn't match the reality. And so this idea, the distance between the idea and the reality gets bigger and bigger or smaller, depending on who's operating the marketing machine. That tension increases. What What I love is the fact that at any time I can sign on and talk to people directly and say, well, what are you Actually, looking for because I get pitch emails all the time that I am completely confused by. Readers who are desperate for this book to come out or for this movie to come out are seeking the next great zombie love story and i'm like really i have not met these people <laughs> who are these people you are talking about cuz i mean i understand everyone wanting to go talk about the force awakens i totally get that there's a lot to talk about but like i do not see this roving horde of readers clamoring for the next great you know zombie romance i i don't see them where are they are are they there or do you think they're there or is it like a reality that you would like to manufacture for you like what is this so the distance between the idea and the reality gets either closer together or farther apart, depending on what, you know, what day it is. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, um, it's like I feel like just
1: there are so many times when um, the general societal algorithm kind of just falls back on the default. And like one thing that's interesting. So have you seen the movie Beyond the Lights? Beyond the Lights. It's a romance movie that came out
0: in 2014. Um, I don't think I on- have, but I, I have younger kids, so my movie going is extremely animated. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this so this up, is on, might be on my queue.
1: It's on Netflix, and the director is uh, Gina Prince-Bythewood. She also did um, Love and Basketball. And so, okay. Oh, so I,
0: it's um um Gugu, Mitha, uh, how do you say her last name? Uh Roth? M- Mabatha Thank you, because I have only read it and never <laughs> said it. But I, oh, I have this on my queue. I know exactly. Okay, all of a sudden, my catnip activation has occurred. Yes,
1: tell me more. Okay. And so one of my 2016 resolutions is to make everyone watch Beyond the Lights. But it's also, to me, an example of the weirdness that happens when people see when marketers and people in charge see a movie or a book or whatever with uh, a person of color or people of color as the lead and so this is basically a straight romance movie like and and it's funny it's sad it's so romantic and I just watched it um, a few weeks ago and I was like and I had seen people talking about it and seeing how great it saying that it was great um, when I saw it marketed, it was like kind of weird. Like, I couldn't tell if it was like a mother daughter <laughs> family relationship movie, if it was a romance, or like well, uh, it said in the music industry. Like, I couldn't really tell what it was about. Um, but it's, like, it's straight romance and it's amazing. You, you need right. to watch it. I am on to this, this. You need to watch it. But also, first, it's on Netflix <laughs> and it's a romance. But yet, when you finish watching it or if you watch it and the movies that are recommended to you, it's not it's not recommending like, you know, while you were sleeping or other popular romance movies. Right. It's recommending like Tyler Perry's Medea or like, you know, whatever. Oh, OK. Other so it's like, again, miscategorization <laughs> just because the people in the movie are black and the director is black. It gets um shuffled off into this other category when someone who loves while you were sleeping or someone who loves, you know, other great rom com would love or this just movie. great romantic movie would love this movie, but that's not what's getting recommended to them <laughs> if, when they finish watching those movies so it's like I just feel like it's a perfect example of like if this movie had been marketed well, like I feel like everyone who loves romance should at least give this movie a try. We all have different tastes, maybe you won't like it, but I feel like it's a movie that like i and um I was speaking on Twitter and Emma Barry said something like you know i couldn't believe that everyone in romance landia wasn't talking about it and it's like it's true this is something that i think every most romance readers would love this movie but no one played on that marketing device no one played looked for the romance angle because it was presented like you know it was like oh this is just like a black movie it's not <laughs> like it wasn't seen, the nuance of it's a romance movie and you're really going to love it. and like that wasn't hyped up how it is. I mean, romances in general in film are, you know, currently there haven't been any great rom-coms to my knowledge. No, I was, <laughs> I, I
0: was, I was talking at length with, uh, it, with Liza Palmer. I was talking with Liza Palmer about that because she now works for uh, Buzzfeed because they are getting into scripted content. And yeah. she is a huge rom-com fan, and there have not been good ones for years. And I'm and I'm laughing listening to you talk about how, you know, the minute you watch this movie, all of your Netflix recommendations are Tyler Perry movies. It makes me think of Rebecca Weatherspoon saying, I do not write in the genre, Black Lady. It's not a genre. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a genre either. Oh, my gosh. I really want to see this, like, right now. <laughs> no, oh, my yes. God. And...
1: Um, yeah Rebecca Rotherspoon also love this movie we have squeed about this movie <laughs> repeatedly
0: together um, how but, did yeah, I it's just miss this of, like, when did this come exactly. out oh 2014 I was very firmly in animated movie land <laughs> if, it, if it has actual humans in it it's really unlikely that I've seen it because when we because you know going to see the movies with like four total humans is expensive <laughs> so yes. when we do it we're going with you know Pixar, yes. DreamWorks, did. I don't
1: think the kids would be too into this movie. Nah, Maybe. this is totally there's a, there's all for dog. me. They would All like the dog.
0: for me. This is my movie. <laughs> Go to bed, everybody.
1: Actually, um, you know what? My
0: husband is out tonight, and my kids are going to bed early, and I have a date with this movie. Yay! I it. I am
1: happy to hear that. Thank you! Because, <laughs> because I'm, uh, it's just for me, it's just like the most blinding that I can think of currently, example of like p- when salespeople and marketing people um who have one idea of who wants to watch something um you know who to market to how to market to people mm-hmm. like you know when and that's a problem overall i think but i think especially when it comes to things that are culturally diverse and that are just seen as outside the box you know and when things are called outside the box i don't know what that's saying the box is the white box, I guess. I don't know. Um, I've seen, you know, outside the box scene to describe things that aren't seen as saleable. And then it's like, well, why isn't it seen as saleable? And then, you know, that gets all vague and um, no one really wants to talk about that aspect. But I think that, uh, you know, besides wanting to push this movie and people to watch it, I just think it's a good example of how something that is blatantly one thing can kind of get lost in the fray because it's people, marketers get confused just by the fact that there are people of color in it. And then it's like, wait, like the first thing that should have come to mind was romance. But then it was like, no, well, maybe this is a movie about, you know, this sad thing, this sad mother-daughter relationship or something like that.
0: Thank you for um <laughs> recommending this movie i have now gone down the rabbit hole and i'm like i'm gonna watch this and i'm gonna watch this movie i'm gonna watch this one over here i'm gonna watch this movie too this is awesome thank you i really appreciate this recommendation is i don't know how i miss this what the hell dude i am squarely in this demographic And that is all for this week's episode. I want to thank Alyssa Cole and all of the birds in Martinique for their guest appearance. If you would like to find some of the books or the movie that we discussed, the show notes at smartbitchestrashybooks.com will have links to all of the things. And if you have ideas or suggestions or you want to ask a question, you can email us at sbjpodcast at or you can leave us a message at our Google voice number, one two zero one three seven one 371 dbsa Please leave us your name and where you're calling from because some of you are so awesome as to leave nice, cool messages. I want to do a voicemail episode very soon. So please call, ask questions, ask nosy questions, do whatever you want to do. It's cool. The music this week was provided by Sassy Outwater. This is Deviations Project which features producer Dave Williams and violinist Oliver Lewis. This album is Ivory Bow and this particular track is called Celtic Frock. The podcast this week was sponsored by Renee Adie, author of The Wrath and the Dawn, published by GP Putnam Sons Books for Young Readers, available in print and ebook. Each dawn brings death, but can love change the story? This intoxicating retelling of A Thousand and One Nights will leave you begging for book two, The Rose and the Dagger, coming summer 2016. The podcast transcript this month is sponsored by Kensington, publishers of Into the Fury by New York Times bestselling author Kat Martin. The first in a new series, Kat Martin is back with her signature spine-tingling suspense and unforgettable action as she introduces readers to the elite team of private investigators at Boss Inc., who are both hard-hitting and hot stuff. This book is on sale January 29th, 2016. Future podcasts will include me talking about romances because that's how we roll here. I have interviews planned, but if you have ideas or suggestions, please contact us because I love to hear from you. And whether or not you're training for a triathlon or running on the treadmill or walking the dogs or just hanging out, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a great weekend.